Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp. As always, I am joined by Will Murden and we do have a special live show today, which is nice. Um, but how's it going today, firstly, Will? What makes this live as opposed to our normal ones? Uh, well, we've just got someone listening to us today, which is... We have an audience. We have an audience. So, someone to get us libations or food if we need it. Boo us when we're getting a little bit boring. Yeah, that's probably fair. Hopefully, we can be a little bit funnier this week. Less uh, cold influences, less you know, phlegm involved this week, hopefully. Yeah, you from my end, I was battling. You last didn't week. sound great last week. I was battling. I was, I was feeling bad for you. I thought you were going to drown at one point, but <laughs> I, was, I was struggling. You made it out, which is good. And we have producer Jess in the room, so I'm sure she'll bring some quality critique to the table. Uh, whether it's warranted or not is a different thing, but um, yeah. Anyway, into today's show, we have again the college SATs. Uh, we continue our college football road trip into Big 12 country and the Sun Belt. Um, but you've had a big week, Will, uh, heading into state and winning an award, I hear? Well, no. I, I had no rights uh, being up on stage collecting an award, but still did it. Okay. If, if the opportunity presents, you definitely put yourself out there to, to get up there. But uh, no, the, my organisation was lucky enough to get there. A colleague of mine did a good job and I just am excellent Pitched at Pitched yourself exactly to right. the coattails. Exactly right. So I had some fun living that corporate life for uh, a week. Cool, cool. Um, well, we actually went to a festival on Friday. And I just want to talk about this because this is probably something that you're quite big on. Uh, I remember watching Community with you and watching Glover and uh, Childish Gambino. Love me some Community, yeah. Right. So I saw Childish Gambino. I don't really like his music, but there is no doubt that he's an extremely talented musician uh, a very talented artist and I really enjoyed his uh, moral message and his whole theme for the night which I think is really really good I'd really rate him as an operator not that I necessarily like his music anymore but I, if you do get the opportunity to see him it's well worth a look okay yeah I've, n- I've never seen him live I'm a bit similar to you like I love community but his music doesn't really do it for me so much yeah, that's yeah. interesting to hear though yeah so uh, for everyone out there, if you get a chance to, to go and see him, it's definitely worth a look. Anyway, let's jump in. Now, last week you had a look at some college SATs for me and I went spectacularly mediocre yeah. in my performance, I yeah, think. Yeah. Uh, you know, I did end, pretty good. You got into a solid school. Ended up at ASU, I Nice think. party school, having yeah. a good time. Party school. Walking away with a good degree, getting a nice middle manager's job at the end of that. I'm Live not a comfortable you. I'm not life. You. I'm not you, dude. <laughs> That's not what I'm after. Anyway, for those that haven't listened to last week's episode, uh, we have got a series of categories, 10 in fact, uh, that Will has to choose from. And depending on where or how well he goes, will depend on the school that he can possibly attend. Uh, So we will jump straight into it. The categories are history, big numbers, winners of grinners, recruiting, Top Dogs, Steeped in Tradition, The Hate is Real, Mascot Madness, Legends of the Modern Era, and Football Factory. Okay, so I've got to pick five of these to answer through, and depending on how I go, I get slotted into uh, an educational institution that will accept me. Correct. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, Let's go. I'll kick things off with recruiting. Recruiting? Hit me up. Okay. Uh, All right. So, 
JJ Watt, one of the best players of the last decade in the NFL and certainly one of the best, will go down as one of the best players of all time along the defensive line. He was recruited as a tight end originally. What was his star ranking? Oh, I know this was low. I know this is low. Uh, like two star is what I'm thinking. Uh, it could have even been a walk on. Like this could be a trick question where you're like he wasn't given a star and walked on. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say two stars. That is correct. Yeah. Well done. Beauty. Off to a flyer initially, which is great. Yes, JJ Watt was recruited as a tight end. Uh, to Central Michigan, I think, and then transferred across and walked on at uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. And, uh, and, of course, went on to be a first-round draft pick and, like I said, one of the best defensive linemen of all time yeah. and just watching him destroy triple teams for the Texans was always pretty amazing. Just uh, developed into the Incredible Hulk and started <laughs> ripping dudes apart. Yeah. Good Absolutely. operator. Okay. Uh, right, so one from one. Good, Good start. Stuff. Feeling yes. good. All right, next one. Let's go steeped in tradition. Steeped in tradition. Okay, this is this one's a tough one. Okay, that's what we love to hear before you uh, get asked a question. All right. There are... I'll possibly give you maybe two questions here, but there are prog- programs that have a strong tradition of winning a lot of games. There are also teams... That that have lost a lot of games. How many bowl games have Kent State won in their history? Jesus Christ, how am I supposed to know that? This is a stitch up if I've ever heard one. Who is going to know that? Uh, the history of Kent State football is not my strong point. If we were playing Jeopardy, I wouldn't be selecting that one from the board, having okay. known a little bit more. But uh, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to follow the theme. Last one was two stars. I'm going to say they've won two bowl games in their career. That is incorrect. Okay, cool. They are yet to win one. Okay, zero. 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 I thought you may have got that. Um, So, yeah, not so good for the Golden Flashes. But maybe this year they can get to a bowl game and then win it. They have lost two, I believe. So not so good for them. But hopefully moving forward they they can get on the board. Absolutely, this is their year. I'm feeling good for the... I'm not, I'm not. No? No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right, back in my box. <laughs> Next up... So, uh, zero of... Sorry, you're one of two? One of two, yeah. Which 50, means 50. Notre Dame, no Off the good. Board. Off the board. That's right, I'm not... Uh, Big on the Catholic school? All that <laughs> religious anyway, so... Okay. I probably wouldn't have been let in for a number of other reasons on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, let's get this going then. Come on. I need this. Uh, mascot Madness. Okay. This is a kind of almost a three-part question, and I'll just decide whether I like you enough that you have got enough of these right for it to count. How I exciting. I love yeah, to know where I stand it's in your loose. life. It's loose. Okay. Ohio State's mascot is, are the Buckeyes. Question number one. What is the name of that mascot? What is the name of their mascot on Saturday afternoons? It's Brutus Buckeye. That is Brutus Buckeye, correct. What is a Buckeye? Uh, it's the oak. It's the from an oak tree. It's the acorn. It's a, it's a nut. It's not from an oak. A, it's not. It's Isn't not it? an oak. No, it's not an oak tree. I don't think. But it's. Uh, you it's be, you better be certain of this. I'm not, if I've got not, this right. It's not an oak tree. 
Yeah, acorn nut. That's pretty close. It's a nut. It's a nut. I'm okay with that. Okay, Okay. cool. So let's continue on. Let's stay in the Big Ten here for a second. Maryland are the Terps. What is their mascot? It's a turtle. Uh, more information, more specific. It's a terrapin. It is a terrapin. Well done. What is the name of the terrapin Jesus. from Maryland? I'm going to say Terry. Uh, that's a good guess, but that is incorrect. Uh, if you got this, I would be really, really impressed. The answer is Testudo. Testudo. Of course. <laughs> How did I not get Testudo, the terrapin? I don't know. But uh, yeah, that is the uh, terrapin nickname from Maryland. So I'll give you like... I know I should give you a full or a half. I'll give you. I'll give you that one. Um, Beautiful. Because I think you've done pretty well. You've got eighty percent of it. So, yep. Beautiful. Let's, two from three. That's two good. From three. That's good. I feel good about that. All right. Let's go. Uh, football factory. Football factories. Okay. Multiple choice question. Which school has produced more, or which group of schools have produced more NFL Hall of Famers? Okay. A, Michigan and Alabama. B, Notre Dame, USC, Ohio State. C, Miami, Pitt, Syracuse, Minnesota, Illinois. That's it? There's the three of them? Those are the three. Would you like me to say them again? Are you right? No, no, that's all right. Uh, I mean, I'm really kind of just having a punt here. I'm assuming they're all quite close to each other. (laughs) Hang on. I can see uh, <laughs> some cheating going on. Jess, the producer, trying to give me a hand here. So this is really helpful in the. Uh, this the is not how you SAT. get past your SAT. This is absolutely <laughs> how I got through most of high school. So that's that all good. True. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say C. Uh, you had Miami in that group. <laughs> is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, beauty. You're so, a Miami guy. So. so Michigan, Alabama have sent seventeen to the NFL Hall of Fame. Notre Dame, USC, Ohio State have got 35 oh, wow. between those three. And they are, in fact, the top three schools. Miami, Pitt, Syracuse, Minnesota, Illinois have got 36. Now, of course, Illinois, Minnesota, Syracuse and Pitt are both, uh, are all, I suppose, and even Miami as well, probably uh, not the powerhouses that they used to be. And certainly Illinois produced a lot back in the day but haven't done so for a long, long time now. Um, so, yeah, bit of an interesting one there. So, who's the heavy, who's the heavy lifter in those? Is Miami that sent in uh, most of no, the No, actually, they're, they're spread pretty evenly, okay. those five schools, yeah. Well, there you go. Which I thought, yeah, there's no heavy lifter in there. Miami will probably gain some soon with the likes of Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. So, that'll bump them up a little bit uh, when they get in. But, yeah. Okay. No, that's cool. I'm uh, happy to get that one. So, what, three from four now? Uh, is that where we are? Three from yeah, four? Three yeah, three from four. You're, you're going okay. Feeling good about this. All right. Uh, let's go. Let's round things out with Legends of the Modern Era. Okay. This one, I quite like this question. The, again, two-part question. You came up with it. So. Uh, okay. Jess, the producer, is starting to really get on my goat. You're not getting paid enough here. All right. Uh... Legend of the Modern Era. USC had Reggie Bush starting at running back from 2003 to 2005 in one of the greatest eras of USC football. He had the same quarterback for those three years. Who was he? I do know this. Uh, He played in the legendary duel uh, against Texas, 
that, and that was probably the first one that got me into uh, college football. Uh, the answer to this one is Matt Liner. That is correct for part A. Oh, <laughs> get out of town. Part B. How many games did those two players lose across their three seasons of college football? Oh, well, they lost the game, which was the the pseudo national championship game. Which would have been the Rose. Bowl. I think it was the Rose Bowl uh, against Texas. So I know of one. I know they were really good. Uh, so oh, I'm gonna say three. That is a good guess. They actually lost two games oh. across that, 37 and two. But I will give you that, Mark. I think that is a, a, a pretty good job. Yeah, I was, I was worried that the line-out one wasn't going to click. Like when you first said it, I'm like, oh, I know this. And then yeah, yeah. The penny dropped pretty quickly for me, so I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Because that's going back a while as well. Mm. Like you could argue modern era, yeah, I guess. But uh, Reggie Bush never, or actually neither of them really had prolific careers at the NFL level when that was sort of expected. Matt Leinhardt's gone on to have a media career uh, and Reggie Bush did some okay things after moving on from uh, Detroit. Was that where he's originally Yeah, started? he bounced around a little bit, didn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so four out of five lands you in Big Ten country. Okay. You're going to become a Wolverine. Oh, Michigan. Okay. I like that. I yeah. think I could have fun up in Ann Arbor. Yeah, uh, and a very good academic school as well. Um, so, well done, mate. A uh, little bit of a distance for us to commute to each other, me being down in Arizona. Yeah, certainly. But certainly. Um, we might keep these quizzes going. I, I like them, so we might keep rolling there, even though I just make an embarrassment of myself. <laughs> That's um, a bit of fun to get things rolling. It is. All right. So, college football road trip. We last week we started in the West and now we're heading over to uh, Big Twelve country, Middle America. Yeah, and this is this is this is your time to shine. Will you love the Big Twelve? You're all about it. Um, but I guess this is kind of home of football, and I say home of football in the South. But depending on what you call the South, I mean the South is more of a kind of socio-political viewpoint almost uh, and really the south geographically is probably almost southeast mm. in a way um, whereas Texas obviously is you know a big part of the big 12 Texas Oklahoma and uh, weather is really nice in that part of the world but certainly Texas is a crazy crazy place to be involved with football from a high school level through to college and the NFL um, you know, they value their football like crazy. Yeah, it's essentially Texas and the flyover states in Big 12. I yeah, mean, yeah. That's kind of what it is. Uh, very wholesome-natured people, like having spent a year living uh, at Oklahoma State and travelling around and, and going to a lot of these towns to uh, watch people play. It's, it's good. It's laid back. It's country living, and football is a way of life. Similar to you know the, the SEC, and people say that's very much the case in Big Twelve as well, especially in Texas. Yep, um, and good food down in Texas as well. You got some good barbecue. Life's big in Texas. Um, Certainly, great steak, great barbecue. <laughs> Just that meat eater life. Love meat. <laughs> um, Okay, so what is, I guess, what's the difference then between the SEC and the Big 12? Because 
not so much in the ter- terms of football, but in terms of the passion, you could argue that they're actually quite similar, particularly in Texas. If you compare that to your Louisiana's, Mississippi's, Alabama's, Tennessee's of the world, all very, you know, football plays a massive part to them culturally on a Friday, Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, but they are still different. And you've probably had a better taste of it than most, but what do you see as kind of the big differences between SEC and Big 12? For me, the, the Big 12 felt more more country, more rural, more like big towns rather than cities. Like the SEC, even though you're still kind of out in Baton Rouge and... Uh, Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. Like you're kind of out of the big cities. It just, it still feels closer to civilization. I think in the Big 12, they are quite isolated, a lot of the towns. And even the big towns like Oklahoma City is a small media market, anyways. Yeah. Like yeah. Georgia has Atlanta. It just, there just seems to be that more hype about it. It just seems more people, more eyes on it, more mainstream, where the Big 12 is just a little bit more country, a, a little bit more rural, a little bit more you know whatever that is yeah you might and that's a pretty good way to surmise i've never really thought about it like that but so you want to watch some varsity blues just hanging out in the back of like pickups and shooting at bottles and stuff absolutely absolutely i'm sure that's a right of way for most you know males going through high school in all of texas you play that stereotype is real absolutely okay uh right i guess the only outlier for that is probably west virginia because they do sit further east, and they're a late addition to the Big 12, um, but they are slightly different. Uh, inter- well, I mean, Morgantown in general is slightly different, though, I think. What's wrong with burning couches and dumpsters? And- I'm all about the weird, don't get me wrong. I love it, but it's uh, yeah, it's certainly not <laughs> your mainstream cookie-cutter uh, town <laughs> out there. I'd like to go to Morgantown. I think we would have good fun there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just have to grow this mullet out a bit more. A little bit. And I like a good couch burning as much as the next guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, in terms of football playing style, uh, a whole lot of offense in the Big 12, not a lot of defense. Uh, if you enjoy crazy shootouts, then you know this is the conference for you because you will get them. Uh, a 10-point game is relatively close in the big 12 i find like you can you can shut that 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 points different difference uh you can close that out and it two touchdowns in two minutes is not unheard of or not not even not unheard of it's common in the big 12 absolutely like anything within 14 points and you're not really concerned it's only when it blows outside of 21 (laughs) and you're like "Uh, all right we i'm gonna start to think about getting worried here inside of that Things happen pretty quickly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, last year, it appears that Texas finally became relevant again on the national stage, probably since that USC game that you're talking about with Vince Young uh, led them and had that famous score to finish the game. Uh, And they beat Georgia comfortably in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, Oklahoma continue to probably be the toast of the conference, though. Uh, and they have had the last two Heisman Trophy winners. West Virginia are fun. Iowa State continue to get better under Matt Campbell. Uh, Baylor are on the improve. Uh, TCU and Oklahoma State look to bounce back. It looks like a really interesting year shaping up in the Big 12 outside of probably perennial cellar dweller Kansas. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting one this year, the Big 12. So... I, th- I say it's interesting. I think it's probably going to be a similar script to last year. I don't okay. expect uh, huge amounts. A couple of different variances, but 
from the top, it's very much Oklahoma. I think they're still the flagship school within the conference, and they're probably going to start the season ranked in the top four, I would expect, top five. Uh, and, you know, they'll have every opportunity to put their case forward to make the the top four national championship. That's putting a lot on Jalen Hurts, isn't it? So Jalen Hurts transfers over from Alabama, Kyler Murray moves on to the NFL, and you're expecting, therefore, Jalen Hurts to come in and play at a level that is maybe not necessarily Heisman level, but certainly up there to obviously cover a lot of deficiencies on the Oklahoma defense, which was particularly in, in the past defense last year, was really, really poor. So you're saying that they'll go in ranked that high and that believe people so. believe that Jalen Hurts is good enough to lead them in the same way that Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield have done before him? I think he will have the weapons around him to succeed. I think that Oklahoma's biggest strength is in the skill position. They, they return an in, in incredible amount of talent there. Their backfield is deep. They had some injuries last year and they've, had, they've essentially got all those guys coming back. So they've got three stud, four, five-star running backs. Yeah, well, Kennedy Brooks is very good. Trey Sermon's very good. And those two guys are coming back. Yep, absolutely. And then CeeDee Lamb's, you know, a top three, four receiver in the nation. Uh, and they've got a, a couple of other guys that are really going to spread the field out. And, you know, Lincoln Riley is an excellent head coach. And I think he's going to put Jalen Hurts in a position to win. Interestingly, I read uh, during the week that Lincoln Riley came out and said that the, it's definitely a competition. The, the job's not his now. Okay. Uh, during the Big 12 media days, he, he said, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion that, uh, that Hurts wins the job. I think that's everyone's expectation. But that was interesting to read to say that that's still, that's still a possibility because Oklahoma have, have had a lot of good uh, quarterback recruits over the last few years too. They've been putting together some really good classes and they're getting a lot of talent uh, locally from Oklahoma but also Texas. And their reach is wide. So I think rightfully so, they sit as the, the king of the conference at the moment and it's going to be Texas trying to knock them down. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I disagree on Oklahoma. I see them taking a step back this year. Uh, and I, I just think that they're going to regress to the mean. I don't think they're going to be bad by any stretch. I just don't see them... I see them dropping at least two. And two, if you're dropping two games, it means you're not going to the college football playoff probably at yep. this stage, two or three. Uh, and, and and I see Oklahoma suffering from the the middle class of the Big 12 getting stronger. And the fact that their offensive line takes a bit of a hit, uh, they lose a whole bunch of starters. And I, I just don't know that you can plug and play Jalen Hurts. As, as good as he is and... As experienced as he is, you can't replicate getting time in a system. And whilst he won't be bad, I just don't think he's going to be Kyler Murray. And it took Kyler Murray to be everything he was, the, you know, a, a dynamic threat on the ground, a really accurate passer, which Jalen Hurts has proven that he is not consistently. Uh, and, and, the, and to then go and win a Heisman Trophy, for them to even make the playoff, so I, I and I, I, Jalen Hurts just isn't that for me. So I think it, we'll see them lose to to Texas in Dallas. It's a, early on in the year, and also I think OSU has got their best chance in a few years to get them in Bedlam, which I think will be an interesting match this year. Yeah, and I, I mean that's a really good point. 
what you're saying there. So both Kyla Murray and Baker Mayfield the year before came across as transfers from other schools and they both had a year to sit and, and learn the system and then grow within that and then play their year as a starter. Correct, correct. Hertz doesn't have that. No. Don't get me wrong, he has starting experience. Yeah. He's played at a very high level. Uh, his, his passing has been knocked a bit and I think that's probably exaggerated a little bit. Uh, because it's it's he hasn't put up those elite eye popping numbers, but I think my feeling is that his passing deficiencies are probably overrated a little bit. I think we will see him perform in a more spread out type of offense in the Big Twelve. I think his numbers are probably going to surprise a few people, uh, but I I one hundred percent agree that there are concerns with the fact that he's coming straight into a fresh new offense and that the expectation is that he can just keep rolling at a number one draft pick Heisman trophy level (laughs) which is unrealistic for anyone yeah well if we jump across then uh and head to who I think is going to be the big player in the big 12 this year I think if there's going to be a team that makes it to the college football playoff it is going to be Texas uh they do have the quarterback who is undoubtedly the leader, the man in the locker room. He has got that real X factor about him. He can put a team on his back. He can run the ball. He can pass the ball. Uh, He sees the game well. And not only that, he's got some fantastic pieces around him. Now, they lose Shane Bichel, transfers out of there. But they keep Colin Johnson, who's that six foot six. Uh, wide receiver and a genuine number one option so you'll probably hear his name called pretty early on draft day uh, they keep Keontae Ingram at running back yeah they let they lose a few along the offensive line but they did get Parker Braun over from Georgia Tech in the transfer market so he'll slot into one of those guard spots straight away uh, so I, I think offensively they went and beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl in a pretty comprehensive victory overall uh, and, and you know, you can say what you want about that game. Oh, Georgia wasn't that up to it. They just lost the SEC championship game and rah, rah, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, to me, Texas is the one that offensively they seem more solid. And having having followed Miami, who have, who have year after year produced really, really good skill position players and not had the quarterback to take them over the top, I see that a little bit with Oklahoma this year, and I see the opposite of that with Texas. I just think Sam Ellinger is the difference, uh, and and he'll be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think Texas are going to be a very good football team this year. I just, I think they're missing a few. It, w- it would have been great if they had a few more uh, returning starters, a little bit more experience coming back. It's not as if you see that scenario where all the worlds align and they've got that quarterback, which true, is one thing true. you want to see, and they've got something like 18 guys with returning experience. They, they don't have that. They are replacing quite a few on defense. It's really disappointing to see little Jordan Humphrey declare early and go to the draft and then get drafted somewhere in like the sixth yeah, round yeah, or yeah. somewhere quite late and he's going to fight to make a roster spot now essentially mm-hmm. i think if he had have come back another year and you had him and colin johnson similar to what they had last year another year on i'd be much more bullish on it but i'm probably not as into texas's hopes as you are uh you are picking them up last year i was all of a you're going, i was and and now i'm kind of a little bit the opposite so it's it's just I, I'm hopeful that they can continue this run because I think a good Texas is good for college football. It's, yeah. it's very much good for the Big 12, obviously. As, yeah. a, as a former power, I think 
it's not good to have one team uh, holding up the entire conference. I'm looking at you, ACC. Oh. Uh, but I mean, Oklahoma's been doing that, that cheap that cheap shot. Oklahoma's you, you, been doing. You haven't that got for one in yet today, so it's, yeah, for some time. And uh, I think it would be great to have Texas come in and pick that up. Uh, I agree with you that Ellinger is he's made for the college game. I don't think he has much of a pro game about him. Agree, agree. But he is that player at the college level that you just think he, he's made for this. He's big enough dude to run over linebackers. He's quick enough to get out outside on the edge and, and challenge out there. And he's, he's got enough moxie about him to when the game's on the line, you expect him to step up and do you it. Do, yeah. Similar to what we were saying in the SEC show last week where we had those doubts with Herbert in Oregon. Pac-12, but yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, Pac-12. Um, you just don't have those doubts with Ellinger. You, you fully expect that to happen. So I think... They are, yeah, whilst in a good spot, they're not that perfect. It's not that perfect storm for me where I'm really excited for Do you need a perfect storm to win the... Like, I know you probably need it to win the national championship against the Clemson and against an Alabama who continually just reload each year. And probably if you're entering into that top echelon for the first time you do need that perfect storm but do you need that to win the big 12 all the time like not necessarily or the Pac 12 like i don't yeah I, I don't think you need it to win the big 12 uh, to win the conference there's there's obviously a lot of games across the year pivotal games that are going to be decided by you know one play one like there's going to be stuff that happens he's out there right the bounce of a ball a flag that's thrown that probably shouldn't like that sort of stuff that's what's going to come down to it but you Obviously, the more you can have in your favor, the better off you are. And Oklahoma have recruited really well. They've got a really good head coach. They've got experience at uh, key positions. So for me, I'm, I'm taking that over the uncertainty with Texas still. Okay, so Tom Herman, if you're listening, Will doesn't rate you as a coach. Uh, the only thing that does give me a little bit of concern is the interior of that defensive line and they're relying on freshmen to come in and, and have an impact along the defensive line and that's never something you want to rely on. Uh, you know, coming from, a, from high school where you're 18, 19 years old, you're just not physically where you need to be against, a guy, against offensive linemen that are four years in a weight room, four years physically old and there's a big difference between guys at 18 19 and 22 23 absolutely that you know you, you can't replicate those years in terms of good weight and strength and Correct. technique along and the d-line these guys are all working out super hard as high school athletes and and they come in and like they make us as an 18 year old look like little boys yeah yeah in the shape they're coming in but then if you tack four years of college conditioning into that there's a huge difference yeah and, and that's where you start to get that real old man strength as a 22 year old but it's just <laughs> country strength, the country it, yeah, strength. It's, it's just hardened like yeah, you, yeah. you've been through there you've done it you're a bit smarter with things too yeah. so there's not much that surprises you i mean i think the other thing is if texas are legitimate i think we'll know week two they face lsu early in the season i'll still be here i won't be in japan then yet so uh i'll still be here and I, i'm really looking forward to that game because Sam Ellinger needs to step up. He needs to go, yep, I'm the guy. I'm going to go and win this game and I'm going to prove to the SEC that, well, and the, and the national uh, voters as well that we are that good. And if they're serious, they win it. That one is, yeah, it's, it's certainly circled on the schedule, isn't it? Yeah. That's going to be an awesome matchup early on and it has huge implications similar to the Auburn-Washington one last year for the entire conferences. 
Yeah, absolutely. If, if Big 12, if Texas can get up, then the Big 12 will be lifted in, you know, across the board. If they can't, they're, they're almost going to get a strike through them if Texas then go and beat OU. Yeah, especially if LSU, you know, probably don't go. I mean, LSU, games, LSU yeah. are good, of course, but they've still got Georgia. They've still got Alabama. You know, they've still got these other teams that they potentially have to play against that are really good football teams. And if they do go and drop three, which could easily happen, that Texas lot, like that loss for Texas doesn't age that well. Anyway, let's jump. Let's jump back into the state of Oklahoma. Then we'll just keep crossing that Red River. So, so are we both uh, in consensus that those are the top two. I th- yeah, I th- teams absolutely, in the Big absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and then, uh, like, so there's another tier down from there. Yeah, for sure. And and while I, like I said earlier, I still think a lot of these teams are kind of regressing to the mean a little bit. I think the competition in the Big Twelve is going to be closer across the board. I think all the teams that were off a little bit last year get far better. I think there's a few teams that probably drop a fraction, but generally speaking, the middle class of the Big Twelve is going to become super competitive, uh, and that is only going to spell danger for the Big 12 as a contender in the college football playoff. Yep. Uh, So your next tier. Uh, Yeah, so second tier, as you were kind of heading there, I think uh, Oklahoma State sit in that, uh, for mine anyways. Uh, They have a favorable schedule this year. They get TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma, and K-State all at home. It would be nice if they could get on the right side of the ledger in Bedlam one of these times. Yeah, you don't have good numbers in that. Oh, one. it's not good numbers, but they're, they're so, recently they're all played so close and they seem to come up on the wrong side of them every well, time. I mean, last year, yeah, you score a touchdown late, Gundy goes for two in Norman, you make that play. And, and, it's, and yeah, you know it's why he didn't make story. the play? Because the QB rolled out. He called a rollout. You don't Stop. like that. Oh, you don't like that. I'm gonna... and, and that's fine. But... Outside of that, it's the one blemish on Mike Gundy's career, I would say, uh, at Oklahoma State. No, the the haircut is not a blemish. (laughs) It's a trademark. uh, It's what he's known for. The the infamous spray of the media? That's also another (laughs) trademark, (laughs) like recognizable moment. Blemish-wise is his record in those big matchups. If if you, you can beat Oklahoma... Across the year, it's a successful year for Oklahoma State and yep. its fans. Yep. And that hasn't happened. So whilst he's continually churning out 10-win seasons, it's often that that he hasn't been able to get out. Okay, so did Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace and Spencer Sanders or whoever else you've got at quarterback that has a serial killer name, uh, You know, are these guys going to be able to do enough to score enough points to go with OU apparently and Jalen Hurts if he is that good? Or... You know, alternatively, can they cause the turnovers and can they stop them enough de- on the defensive side of the ball uh, to really to really give them a run in Bedlam this year? I, I think it's all going to come down to the play of either Spencer Sanders or Drew Brown, whoever lands up as the starting quarterback. It's, it's a big unknown. Both of these guys, we don't know what they're going to produce. So they've both had a year in the system. They, they were both backups to Taylor Cornelius last year, both redshirted uh, across the year last year. And that's still very much an open competition that's going to play out. And we're not going to know up until the week before the game or even game day, I would say. Is he going to leave it that late? Has he's, he said that? He's notoriously known for withholding that information. 
Interesting. He, he's done it a lot before and he's often not made what has ended up to be the correct call. So he didn't start Brandon Whedon first up. He didn't start Mason Rudolph. These were guys who were, you know, high draft picks and went on to NFL careers. I think both of them are one and two in the yards yeah, for Oklahoma State as well. Exactly right. But that's kind of the nature of the way football's gone. These true, 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 breaking true. All course, the time. Of course, of course. But... It, it will be interesting because it's whoever wins that job and how they go that is going to guide how far this team can go. So you mentioned Tylen Wallace, Chubb Harbord, uh, a few other playmakers that they've got. That They've certainly got the pieces there to be effective offensively, as they are almost every year. Defensively as well, I'm interested to see how things go. They have Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator, for a second year. He was real boom or bust last year. I think they led the Big 12 in sacks, uh, but they also gave up the most yards. It was, we're getting after it, but if we don't get there, then you're probably going to score. And that didn't work out well for him. It was a down year for them. So I think there's some tweaking that can happen there, but there's a fair bit of inexperience. There was a bit of turnover on the defensive side of the ball. So there's, it's certainly, as I kind of talked about before, and I should probably stop mentioning that perfect storm, I'm not feeling it here. And I'll just say now, I'm not feeling it for anyone in the uh, Big 12. Yeah. Where probably West Virginia last year were a good example of one that had it, where they had experience at key positions. They had a quarterback, Will Greer, who had high expectations coming in. And they showed that, and they looked dangerous down the stretch. They, they got to a point where they were ranked in the top 10, uh, as we were getting down into the the interesting part of the season, and they just kind can't of, play defense like most teams it, in Big Twelve. It fell away from them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the thing that helps the Cowboys out this year is the fact that they actually their schedule is pretty light early on, and that can be really handy to settle that that new quarterback in. Uh, and it's always good getting a couple of ones where you can just ease into it a fraction, even if it is within conference play. But it's not, you know, you're not getting Oklahoma week three, or well, you're not getting, you know, Texas really early. You are repping the Oregon State Beavers uh, today, and now you're saying that that's who they've got week one to kick things off. So they're not going to be happy with that. Well, tune up match for them. Well, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma. Uh, sorry, Oregon State maybe up there with Kansas as one of the worst Power Five teams. Yeah, you, yeah, it's tough out there. <laughs> Anyway, let's continue to move on. TCU, uh, I think TCU probably, if Oklahoma slide into that group, I think TCU after a really, really poor season last year, um, the sweat box, Gary Patterson uh, running that four-two-five defense and, and a team that just was so uh, inept offensively, particularly in that quarterback position, uh, they just they couldn't get any consistency. Uh, they turn the ball over way too much. And, um, you know, yeah, a really, really frustrating season for TCU. Having said that, Jalen Rager returns and he is uh, crazy fast, he's super straight dynamic. One of the most exciting players in college football. Yeah, I feel like he's one of those guys that just makes you pucker a little bit when he gets the ball. You're like, oh, if we could just tackle this guy before he gets off the chain. Um, you know, there's a couple of guys that just do make you nervous when they're touching the ball. And um, he's certainly one of those and a very talented guy. They do lose to a couple of edge rushes to the NFL. Um, so they will need to replace them. But TCU, you know, make 
rain, uh, I guess, make hay, I suppose, when, you know, they've got these undersized edge rushes that continue to do a really, really good job for them. Um, so I think they push up into that group and I think they will be uh, another handful again. On top of that, TCU uh, are yet to have two poor seasons consecutively for Gary Patterson. I think his last one, uh, he, he had a really bad season. Next year went to the, or finished in the in the top two in the in the Big 12. Yeah, so. you're spot on. He, he's a hell of a head coach and it just doesn't happen two years in a row for them. No. And he's been there a long time, like 17 years or something. And, and you've never seen it double up. So... I expect them to, uh, to turn things around. There still is a bit of uncertainty at the quarterback position. I'm not sure they have a settled incumbent at the moment. So anytime that's the case, it does make you a little bit nervous about a team's uh, direction and where they're going to go. But you, you never know. There's a whole bunch of diamonds out there that if anyone's going to find it, I'm sure Gary Patterson can. Uh, he's, he's seen it all before. They're, they kind of buck the trend a little bit in the Big 12 in that they are more of a defensive unit. That four-two-five does wreak havoc and it's a little bit different to, to what you normally see. So it's good to see them come up against these powerful offences and they've kind of had to develop more of an offensive game so they can keep up with it. But I'm with you. I, I see them in that second tier. Uh, for mine, moving on, another one in there, another... Good head coach, but uh, really hot head coach at the moment in terms of really hot a prospect. <laughs> okay, and I think he's potentially got uh, bigger bigger jobs ahead of him. Jess, is Matt Campbell uh, a hot head coach? Yes. There we go. <laughs> okay. Wouldn't have said that myself, but <laughs> that's okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so Matt Campbell, Iowa State. Yep. Um, very much coach on the rise, and he's done incredible things there. I mean, I- Iowa State were a cellar dweller in the Big 12, and now they're in that second tier, well and truly. Uh, they've got Brock Purdy at quarterback, who came on strong last year, and with a bunch of experience uh, under his belt now, it's exciting to see where he's going to take things. I'm a little bit worried about their loss in skill position players. Hakeem Butler, David Montgomery, both going to the NFL, both relatively high draft picks on like third round, both very good playmakers for them, and that's going to be tough to fill those roles because they don't have those high recruiting classes. They're relying on hard work and and getting the most out of players rather than just kind of fine-tuning your four- and five-star athletes. So I'm a bit worried that they've lost those guys, but... That said, I still see them in the second tier and they're going to provide an upset somewhere along the line. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think Iowa State now are settling in under Matt Campbell as being a continually... I don't know. They're not a powerhouse and they certainly... you know, They may get there, they may not. As long as Matt Campbell's around, they can head in that direction. But to me, they... uh, you know, continually provide good defenses. They've, they've had a strong running game. Like you said, they lose Montgomery to the Chicago Bears. And Brock Purdy was their second leading rusher last year. So they're going to need to find something in that uh, in the backfield. But they do return all five starters on the O-line. So they should be able to grind out some, some rushing yards. And they're going to need to because they do like to take at times... Iowa State do like to take the air out of the ball, and they're probably a little bit more multi-dimensional offensively than a lot of the other teams. You look at the um, 
West Virginia's, Oklahoma State's, Oklahoma's of the world, and they just go full noise the whole way. Ohio State last year did have the ability to chew up a bit of clock. They did have the ability to run the ball. Um, but they, you know, will they be able to do the same again? And they need to be able to find something in the running game. Their defense looks to be particularly strong. Uh, they finished second in the Big 12 last year. They return Jaquan Bailey, who's a fantastic edge rusher. Um, Greg Eisworth returns in the secondary, Braxton Lewis. Um, so they've got some fantastic playmakers on the back end as well. So hopefully that's a defense that can really feast and then they can have their way um, offensively as well. For sure. Um, now, do you see any other teams sneaking up into that next bracket in the Big 12s? I do. I have one taking a step up this year that I would uh, also put in that second tier. Uh, and for mine, it's Baylor. Ooh, interesting. Okay. I, I have them as a program on the rise. So they obviously really bottomed out on the back of the Art Briles scandal. Or it's not really the Art Briles scandal, but the scandal that happened under his rule i guess fortunately that's the name that becomes yours but mm -hmm. yes uh and now to replace him uh we've had matt rule come in who's a very good coach and and i think he is starting to build something in baylor uh they won what seven games last year and that was up from one game the year before there so that's a huge step and i see the potential for another step forward again They've got Charlie Brewer back, uh, who's a very good quarterback. Yeah, uh, He's going to have experience in that system. Uh, and then they've got solid players returning on defense. So I see Baylor being that, that other team who pushes up into the second tier. I don't disagree on Baylor, I think. Charlie Brewer is a fantastic quarterback. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't get the attention that a Sam Ellinger does or a Jalen Hurts does over at Oklahoma. But combine him with uh, some pretty good receivers uh, led by, uh, who's the guy I'm thinking of? Denzel Mims, okay? And their O-line's pretty solid as well. Uh, there's a lot to like. Uh, they return a lot on defense as well, which is great. And I think they're going to be a really, really tough out for anyone. Um Unfortunately, all the news around Baylor in the last few years has been the nonstop talk about the scandal. And, you know, but they've, it appears like the playing group at least have moved on faster than most, as they will. Uh, and they hopefully can start turning around some of those results on the field as well. So I'm looking forward to a good year for Baylor. And I want to see those guys come back as well. These guys weren't the ones that were involved in that scandal anymore. And it's time for them to be able to step forward. So hopefully the Bears can do a good job. Yeah, strong middle class. Strong middle class. So as we drop down into that next bracket, uh, where do you want to start? I think you're looking, for me, I'm looking at a team like West Virginia probably are the obvious one that are going to fall off a little bit of a cliff. Um, like you said, they, they were ranked in the top 10 last year, but they do lose Will Greer. They lose David Sills the fifth, four, fourth, maybe. Fifth, fifth. fifth. he was yeah. the fifth. David Sills V. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> David Seals V, uh, who was a fantastic wide receiver. Horns down. Gary Jennings, um, uh, Marcus Sims as well. And they lose their head coach, Dana Holgerson. And, and any time you've got that transition to a new head coach, it doesn't matter how good they are. You know, you could have 
you know, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney come in. doesn't matter. It's going to take time for them to adjust, for them to get the culture that they want to build, for them to get the guys that they want to have in there. And there's just too much for them to overcome. The real bright spot for them, though, is the transfer from Oklahoma, who we now live in this world of, of transferring quarterbacks, apparently. Uh, but Austin Kendall made the move across from Oklahoma. Um, and he seems like he's going to be a really good one. They're really positive, and there's lots of good news coming out uh, of Morgantown about him and his ability. So I do. Whilst I do see them taking a step back, it's not going to be you know they're not going to go off a cliff completely, but it's going to be a little bit tougher year for the Mountaineers. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head with that one. There's not much more I can add. Uh, they have so much production walking out the door they have a new head coach there's just so many question marks that we can't expect that same level of play so that there will be a step back but they have a a very highly regarded coach in Neil Brown coming in and it will be interesting to see how things go for them but it's very much going to be a rebuilding year in Morgantown okay to me as well, West Virginia seems to be a little bit by themselves um, in terms of the ability of those next to group. Maybe Kansas State take a bit of a step up in terms of a, a solid defense that they continue to produce. Um, but, you know, do they have the ability to push up into that middle class this season? Well, yeah, I mean, this for me is the, the third tier. So there's West Virginia, there's K-State, as you said, and then I've got Texas Tech as well. Okay. So Texas Tech have got the offensive coordinator from Utah State who had great success there, Matt Wells. Matt Wells, yeah. Uh, they've got Alan Bowman, the showman, big fan of him at the show here. Yeah. And he, they have four starters back along the offensive line. They've got enough experience on defense that I think there will be improvement from this squad, but it's still not going to be enough. Uh, There's still going to be a tough out for for most teams in the Big 12, but I just don't see them getting over the top of anyone that we've mentioned before here. Maybe they'll jag one somewhere, but they're, they're certainly not quite there. Okay. Yeah, I think I was ready for Texas Tech to to take a big step forward last year and it didn't really happen for them. There is going to be a little bit of transition uh, for them out of that. Uh, whilst it'll still be up-tempo, it'll be fast and it'll have some air raid concepts. It's probably not going to be the true air raid um, that um, is now being run over in the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I like that. That's where you have a down year and then you get demoted to head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, which is an interesting one. And and I think everyone's looking forward to the Cardinals to see how For well sure. how, how well a college offense actually does transition across the NFL because it's been ridiculed time and time again. Uh, yeah, so I know they lose um, Dominic Panazzolo as well. Um, friend the big, of the show. Friend of the show, big right-footed punter. So that's a bit of a disappointment. But yeah, I think a backward step for the Red Raiders. Yeah, uh, K-State, last one in this one. Yeah, I, tough sledding, I think, again for t- K-State. Their offense was just a nightmare last year. Last year, Running game was solid behind Alex Barnes, but he's now off to the NFL. So there's a bit of an unknown in terms of running the ball. They get in... Uh, a couple of transfers, James Gilbert from Ball State and Jordan Brown from North Carolina. So one of those guys kind of has to step up. Skylar Thompson, is he the guy at quarterback? It's hard to know. Uh, you know, 
And then they lose um, Isaiah Zuma, their, their leading receiver last year with with an injury. But so, you know, I, I'm not expecting big things out of this offense again. And that really, if you're going to run a stodgy, slow offense in the Big 12, you're going to lose a lot of games. The, uh, the way I saw things playing out with Bill Snyder is, and this may just be me, but it was very much that Jedi, like Yoda, when he's just like his time's up and he just kind of vanishes and his cloak falls down. <laughs> I just see Bill Snyder in the change rooms, just like talking to the players and they're like facing another losing season towards here. They've always been competitive units, but yeah. he just kind of got to the point where he's just like, I've had enough. And then just kind of disappears. disappears. So now he's just going to be like wandering around the yeah. stadium. There's going to be like a like hologram. A Absolutely. I, <laughs> yeah, I see yeah. that. So look out for that in the K-State matchups. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, they seem to be one that will show. But again, K-State always find something for a two or three game stretch throughout the year. And they will beat somebody probably. And everyone will say what the hell's going on with the Wildcats. Rounding out the Big 12. Your favorite. Kansas. Woo. Lawrence. Let's head to Lawrence. Go Jayhawks. So they have a new head coach. Big big name. Les Miles. High profile. National championship winning coach. Yes. Uh, that was a, a big hire. An interesting hire. And that kind of brings the spotlight a little bit to Kansas, which doesn't often happen this time of year. Maybe when the basketball rolls around. But they will struggle again, I believe. Uh, he, he doesn't have magic dust or not that I'm aware of that he can sprinkle on, on the squad to turn things around. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be an interesting experience, uh, experiment, I suppose, to see a really highly credentialed coach come in with a team that doesn't have a whole heap of talent. They, they haven't recruited at a very high level. Can, Ever. Yeah, uh, especially compared to the sides that he'd be used to at LSU. And to see how he can make things work. They have Puka Williams, who's back. Uh, but outside of that, there's there's not much name brand recognition, and I don't expect them to be making waves. Yeah, I think another tough season for uh, the Jayhawks. But you know, I'm I'm always interested in is it possible for someone like Kansas to actually turn this around? Are they genuinely you know yeah they get the coach or whatever, but can they actually genuinely go and turn this thing around or are they just going to be a perennial seller dweller? That's their lot in life. And you know what? We're a basketball school. We can recruit in basketball. For some reason, our basketball recruiting is good and I don't know what the difference is. You can't blame location because location's the same. Uh, Yeah, they've got a winning culture in the basketball, but how do you turn that thing around? Well, I think Iowa State are a living testament to being able to do that. Go back a few years and Iowa State, Kansas were almost hand in hand. Like very similar programs in terms of they're going to be towards the bottom of the Big 12. Uh, they're, they're not off, they don't have an awful amount of talent that they re- are able to recruit to those schools. And now we're talking about Iowa State as being in that second tier and potentially challenging for the Big 12. So I think there's certainly you need things to go right. It starts with the head coach hire. Hopefully, Les Miles, he's getting up there in age, but he can start that. I don't see him as being the one to take that them to that next level, but I think he could be the catalyst for that change. He could start to change things from a, a cultural standpoint to make it a more desirable spot to get the next young, hot, up-and-coming coordinator from somewhere else or some high school phenom or something like that who's able to step in and do that. The problem is that you'll face, that I think Matt Campbell's going to face, Iowa State, 
who's then going to leave? When, when they get to the point where they are relevant all of a sudden, the NFL calls or Alabama calls or, you know, any blue yeah. chipper, any, any power school that's a dream job for anyone, and then you, you'll tend to regress from there. But so is it just a money thing then? Is it just a money thing? Like because those bigger schools have got bigger programs and they can throw, you know, three million, four million a year at their head coach... Is that what has to ha- like? Is this turning into a financial arms race with these squads? And if you can't, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, we've kind of said this on the show before. College football is not a sport about parity. There isn't parity. It's much more English Premier League than it is NFL. Even in that, the rich get richer. They have the resources. They have the talent. They they are able to recruit at a higher level because they have a bigger budget. They can fly people in private jets around the country. Legally, of course. All of this above board. <laughs> Where the smaller, the smaller schools just simply cannot compete with that. So, yeah, the, the, there's always up against that but in terms of the big 12 landscape where you don't really have that huge difference except for you know right Oklahoma at the top State oh. mate you guys had a, a T. T. Boone Pickens, T. Boone Pickens. he My dumped boy. what 350 mil into your program probably, that was years, years ago now probably closer to a billion I think yeah I think he built the stadium with his cash yeah yeah but like uh, and obviously money's not everything because he hasn't put them over the top I suppose you know, you won the Big 12 once, I suppose. and Well, he's made them a lot more successful than they were historically. I guess. Or they have yeah. been that, and in big part to the injection in cash. So it's a million plus for your ball club to become relevant on a national scale. Okay, a billion, a million, billion, whatever. Okay. Uh, all right. So that pretty much takes us through the Big 12. Uh, we will quickly blitz through the Sun Belt. Um, we do like to give... Actually, before we do that, let's get into the Aussies in uh, the Big 12. I yep. do want to give them a mention. Oklahoma State, come to the party. Alex Hale is a redshirt freshman. He's going to be a kicker. Uh, Tom Hutton brings his wife and kid as a 28-year-old across to uh, the Cowboys. Expecting and big things from him this year. Really yes. excited. Um Jordan Sandy at TCU is a pro-kick prodigy, and he's a new guy to college football, so he'll be a good one. Ryan Bocheski returns to Texas, Iowa State. I've got Matt Lee on the defensive line. He's a guy from Adelaide. He started five games last year, had two sacks, so we look forward to watching him again. And Corey Dunn is the punter um, for the Cyclones, and he had three over 60 yards last year and had a pretty, pretty solid year. So, And he's gone on to, I think, some uh, Big 12 preseason uh, awards lists and things like that. So That's it. Uh, that is about it for the Aussies in the Big 12. So hopefully they can make a bit of a name for themselves. Now, I think we're a bit jammed up for time here. We've been kind of rambling on a little bit. So I know we wanted to touch on the storylines that we wanted to follow. And I've got like, I've done all this great research. Uh, and for mine, it's, it's head coaches in the Big 12 and how I think they're the best. Uh, and that's going to be an interesting one to follow. But we won't deep dive into it because I think we're, we're already rolling along as it is. But for mine, quickly, head coaches, I think there are going to be a number that are going to move on potentially to, to bigger jobs. So I've already mentioned Matt Campbell. I think Lincoln Riley is going to be continually hounded for potential NFL uh, opportunities. Uh, and then Matt Rule's another one that I would say if, if Baylor take the next step, there could be some bigger programs in his future as well. 
Oh, wow. Okay, so a bit of movement in the Big 12. I think the big storyline for me in the Big 12, the one to follow is the fact that they, to me, I don't see them being there at the end of the year. I think there's going to be too much infighting. Uh, it is a solid, like I said, middle class. It's easy for those top teams to drop a game and I think the Big 12 miss this year and I think the Pac-12 sneak in or the SEC will take two probably because everyone loves the SEC when we vote college football playoff so there's some concerns for me around is the top good enough to get to the playoff and if Texas beat LSU it's a hard maybe from me if not I think that rules them out for season 2019 of course I'm saying that before the season starts now, do we want to have a quick look at the Sunbelt? Yeah, let's do it. We'll, we'll blitz through it. Apologies to all you Sunbelt fans out there. We, we did want to cover it in a little more detail, but uh, we're going to really fly through this one. We don't give a lot of love to our group of five teams and, and played a few Sunbelt or watched a few Sunbelt games in the last couple of years with App State being the kind of head of that particular conference. And you've, they, al- you've always got to watch App State play their marquee matchup. Uh, they, they showed last year, as, when I say marquee matchup, whenever they play the Power 5 team, they normally schedule one good one. And last year it was Penn State. That was a great match early on in the season. You want to see that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And Eli Drinkwitz uh, looks like he will continue there and continue their very good run the other really really good team uh, in the last couple of years has been Troy Chip Lindsay comes across uh, from Auburn as the offensive coordinator and he takes over the head coaching job at Troy and he continues uh, a really long list of uh, movement in the Sunbelt in terms of coaches so uh, hopefully they will be able to settle a little bit in the next couple of years uh, not only as a as a school, but as a a conference, and allow those teams that have probably struggled or are new to college football in terms of your you know Coastal Carolinas, your Georgia States, your that are relatively new, allow them to settle in. There's some fantastic um, players kicking around. Zach Thompson comes to the list uh, straight away for the, uh, the App State Mountaineers. Um, Kirk Merritt. Uh, wide receiver out of Arkansas State is a really good one. And uh, Brian London is a really, really good linebacker at Texas State. And he's had to make a lot of tackles because Texas State... Will, Struggle. They have won like four games in the last five years. So they are battling away. There's some really good games to for them to sink their teeth into. App State get North Carolina. Georgia Southern get Minnesota. Troy play at Missouri, and I think they could give them a really, really good run there. Um, Coastal Carolina might beat your Kansas Jayhawks this year. Got it. Uh, and ULM get Iowa State. So there's some really, really interesting uh, non-conference games to get into. Uh, the last players that I think can possibly uh, do some really, really good things uh, or players from a uh, NFL standpoint, I think, App State, again, continue to hold the candle in that section, uh, particularly on the defensive side with linebackers and safeties. Desmond Franklin is a fantastic one for them. Okay, I'll just add uh, last piece. I think Arkansas State, uh, I don't think you've mentioned them in there. They're they're a good shot. They're they're a good football team too. So while it is very much Appalachian State in the East Division, uh, Arkansas State, uh, a very good side on the West, and I expect them to be competing in the Sun Belt. Uh, but my pick to win the Sun Belt this year, a bit of a roughie, is uh, Louisiana Lafayette 
Raging Cajuns. Really? Yeah, I'm backing them in. I, uh, I like what they've got. They've got a solid uh, running back unit. Great Aussie punter. Love that. You just like the nickname. And mainly the nickname too, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, all right. Well, that probably brings us to the end of an extremely fast and long action-packed review or road trip of uh, Big 12 and Sunbelt Country. Uh, please do make sure that you follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at CFB Down Under. Um, we will ensure that in future we do not have uh, producer Jess. She has been an absolute liability on the show today and we apologize for her behavior. Uh, but that is just about it from me. On behalf of that guy over there, my name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.